Hello, everybody. I'm Del Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins. And you're watching The Dell and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Oh, Del Shores slid right into his seat in the studio with seconds to spare because you had an adventure. Yes, I did have an adventure. I almost what was happened. Well, I went to Ralph's. And, you know, I'm all, first of all, just going to that Ralph's gives me anxiety because that was the COVID Ralph's. I was about to say, did you go to the COVID Ralph's? There's the like COVID 17 Ralph's. more. It's on my way home. There have not been any more COVID outbreaks there, but so, and I know where everything is because it's, so anyway. That's I, really I, why it's the convenience. I was like one of those shoppers on a game show because I knew exactly what I needed. I was just like, God, I knew I was cutting it close. I get there and I go to the, the register that's shortest and there is this really handsome guy in front of me that has a reasonable amount of groceries. Well, it turned out he was a shopper. So they have to, you know, redo it, redo, you know, and then another payment and then another payment. Well, he then, he and the cashier were getting a little flirty with each other. I think that she gave him her, his, her number at the end on the receipt. And I'm like getting so anxious. And I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so close to being a Karen. I was like, I'm gonna call your manager, but I didn't. I held it inside, and here I am. <sighs> I held my tongue. Well, I've only left the house once since our last show on Friday. Literally, even like out of the front door, because you know, with the apocalypse in the air. But we've been so like, how do you come up with things to do? You know, that are safe. So we braved the Michaels, masks and all, because this weekend we made a Halloween wreath. It's the middle of September, and we said, I don't care. Y'all, I need you to see Blake has put spooky fabric on the table. Oh, my goodness. The staff is already out as decoration. Do you have a picture of the wreath for us? I don't. Oh, I want to real. I, I love, I, I saw it myself, and it's really uh, wonderful. It's great, y'all. So, But we spent money and bought a plain wreath and spent all our crazy Saturday night was making a wreath. For a holiday that is not even <laughs> this month, it's still six weeks away. And then watch Practical Magic. Well, I have one better than that. Our good, oh, friend, Rob, our good friend Rob sent me and Leslie Christmas wreaths. And Christmas, he made Christmas wreaths for us. And thank you, Rob. I took it to Leslie today. I have a video for you he made for you. And he loved it. So oh, I feel better. That makes me feel better because we we've already started like the witchy movies. Y'all know I don't do horror, so we're watching like every kind of witch movie, vampire movie. You know, if the villains are sexy, that's the kind of Halloween movies I like. We like the, that, like the Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker. That yes. Guy. Oh no, we definitely got a doormat for inside our door because who's coming over? That says hocus pocus, but not like the that version. It's just like a wink, wink, not trademark infringement. Oh, I see, I see. Well, I'm so with you, and and I would um I was gonna say to order one of Blake and Emerson's read. <laughs> I know, but up next, it's either OnlyFans or Etsy. I'm not <laughs> sure which way we're going. <laughs> Hello, everybody. To all eighty of you watching our show right now. Welcome. Whether you are watching us on Facebook or on YouTube or on Periscope on Twitter, we are glad that you join us. Y'all, if you're watching on Facebook, share the broadcast. 
I was looking and I haven't been able to, does anybody share the broadcast or are you all ashamed? You know, because yep. the idea is that the show gets bigger and bigger, but we sort of hover in this, we've been hovering in the same place for a couple of months. Are y'all ashamed of us? Ashamed it's to tell your friends you watch? It's like a really nice erection. It just gets bigger and bigger and, and bigger. Yes, we want to be a video Viagra. You know, where it's so long, you have to see a doctor. <laughs> okay, it's going to be a silly show, as you can tell. Speaking <laughs> of silly, um, I'm sure you all saw uh, at least the reference to it that Captain America himself, uh, Chris Evans, accidentally released a screen cap onto his Instagram that included a black and white grainy image of his substantial shield? Captain America has a shield. That metaphor doesn't work. Sword? Uh, sword? sword? Captain America doesn't have a sword. It's like he would, he oh, certainly doesn't have any reason to be jealous of Thor's hammer. Oh, well. Um, no, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. They I didn't were actually see the image. I just saw the conversation. But the description was that it wasn't all that much. And y'all, don't go looking. First of all, disclaimer. Somebody did not mean to share their nudes with you. Don't be passing them around or looking for them. Like, I mean, yes, he's a hot very handsome man with lots of money and a great life. And so it's probably not that torturous, but still like, don't look for people's nudes. They didn't try to give you. Yeah. I don't know. I saw it trending on Twitter and everybody was being actually very, very respectful, including Mark Ruffalo, who was saying, Hey bro, if this is the worst thing that's happened, <laughs> we'll give it well, It was actually very sweet because lots of people flooded like his name with pictures of him and his dog. And they talked about how he has anxiety and that, you know, this could certainly, uh, you know, exacerbate that. But the best response by far, some of you probably know, but some of you might not, uh, that Chris Evans has a gay brother who is also an actor named Chris. Hold on, I'm dragging this out because I put a, oh, there we go. And he got online yesterday and Scott said, was off social media for the yesterday. So what I miss. Yeah. <laughs> which I just thought was absolutely perfect. And then Chris finally came back online yesterday and he said, now that I have your attention, vote November 3rd. And I thought, what a great way to That's deal with that. Do it. That's the way to do it. Well, um, I, I, you know, I did his tallywhacker. Yes, his tallywhacker. His tallywhacker? Um, so I told, I was, I was, I went to visit Leslie today and, and uh, he, I said, I said, oh, did you hear about Chris Evans? He said, oh honey, I saw it. I don't know. He, he dug deeper than I, I, I did. That does not surprise me. Um, anyway. Um, um, and then one other fun thing, you know, Dell's got his show coming up. The S, the Esther, the Schister, buy those tickets on his website. Uh, but Blake and I are teaching our second workshop on Saturday. We had our first workshop, the 16 bars and books, and it was great. The people were fantastic. We had a lot of fun. So if you have a song you're working on, a song that you would like to work on, uh, join us this weekend for that. Uh, you can register and get more information at www.thedellshorestudio.com. I know. Theater queens in the house here tonight. I mean, you know, or this afternoon, wherever what coast you're on. And uh, I got such great response, Emerson. You know, because I'm I'm the head of that studio. Um, it is your it is the eponymous Del Shore Studio CEO of the Del Shore Studio, and I got nothing nothing but raves. Everybody was saying how brilliant it was and how much fun it was as well. And uh, the one response that I liked, and they said, you know, I was really nervous going in because they're both very talented 
and they made us feel so comfortable and in, and at ease. And uh, I did not feel nervous. So that's a, what a great compliment to you guys. So it's for all skill levels. Whether you are looking to work on an audition piece, a piece you might want to perform someday, or just your karaoke song to get a little bit better, we'll work on all of it. There you go. So all right. Well, what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. A little bit of fun, a little bit of important, and some things we think you should know about. Please share your thoughts and commentary, because honestly, we're not here to just listen to each other talk. Uh, and real quickly, up first, some frustrating news. We told you the story last week that the uh, Duterte in the Philippines, the president there, has pardoned U.S. Marine Joseph Pemberton uh, for the homicide of Jennifer Laud, a trans woman back in 2014. Well, Sunday, they put him on a plane back to the U.S. The Philippines Bureau of Immigration issued a statement saying he was a risk to public safety. So they pardoned him, but they don't want him there. So they sent him back to us. He is perpetually barred from returning to the Philippines. So a very frustrating end to that case. Although I would think the LGBTQ community there, at least they're rid of him and this story, but now he's home. Well, I wish him nothing but misery. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and in then other uh, trans news, we've got a GOP. Are you ready? This is like the biggest fuck you I've ever read this story. Uh, the primary nomination for uh, a sheriff in uh, Cheshire County, New Hampshire, was won by Aria DeMezzo. Okay, are you ready? Identifies as a transsexual Satanist anarchist. And, and those are her words, y'all. Yeah, and our campaign slogan is fuck the police. Uh, she's both a libertarian and the high priestess of the reformed satanic church. That already just makes me nervous. You know, growing up Southern Baptist, anybody that was a Satanist, it just makes me nervous. And she's like Eastern religions. And uh -huh. she's uh, totally oblivious, uh, said it's totally oblivious that, re oblivious that Republican voters wouldn't have voted for her if they had actually researched her, but they didn't. She wrote in a blog post after the win, more than 4,000 people went to the voting voting booth and they all filed, filled in the circle with my name, despite knowing absolutely nothing about the person they were nominated to the most powerful law enforcement position in the country. I guess she made her point. Uh, the system that you let down, that let you down by allowing me, the freaking transsexual Satanist anarchist, be your sheriff candidate is the same system I'm attacking. I'm sorry, and I know it hurts to hear, but that system is a lie. It's all broken. All right, point proven. Um, she said that only one person in the whole county did any research search on her, and he spread that what he found everywhere, good on him, that is a person I respect. After her win, her car was vandalized with anti-gay graffiti, and she'll face incumbent Sheriff Eli Rivera in November. He has won five times as the Democrat, and that's why there was no Republican on the ballot running against her. So um, I love this so much. One, she has a radio show, and she's very smart. Uh, she's very much libertarian, a sort of anarcho-anti-capitalist. Uh, but it's hilarious and also like so frustrating because what it demonstrates is how many people go down the ballots and just hit the buttons. And y'all, let's be honest, people do it on both sides. You put a straight ticket and there's a whole bunch of races you didn't bother to research. You have no idea about that person. And 4,000 people voted for her just because there was an R next to her. I mean, there was no other choice. 
But like what that says about how much people care to know before they go into the ballot booth, I walk in with my little paper where I learned about the judges and all the things. Like, yes, it's work, but y'all, it's grown up homework. Yes, I do. I get those booklets. I go to the gay sites. I go to the Democrat sites. I go to all the sites and I try to make an intelligent uh, decision, you know, yeah. without just going, oh, check, 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 check. Yeah. I mean, she's probably not going to win, but oh my gosh, like oh, representative win. of why so many people, like people don't care. And they just, it's also why we can't have discussions. Anyway, I got distracted on a thought because you mentioned the church growing up and, you know, Eastern religions and all those things we were taught, Satanism, you know, we didn't celebrate Halloween. We had a fall festival and you weren't allowed to be witches or warlocks because that was of the devil. Do you read that this week, the Southern Baptist Church is trying to change its name to like the Great Reformation or something? Wait, hold on, I'll see what it, uh, the Great, uh, the Great Commission to get rid of the, the racist roots uh, they're going to be calling themselves, yeah, Great Commission Baptists. They ought to just call themselves Bigotry Baptists. Bigotry I was Baptists. Say, how hello. Can uh-huh. Bigot Baptists. Well, how can I direct your call? Uh, well, the pastor's not out right now. He is on uh, a call. He's over there on the white side of town. Obviously. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry, but Meals on Wheels doesn't go to the other side of the tracks here at Bigot Baptists. Hold on, just uh, here's a little musical interlude for you. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. White and white, white and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Uh, for those who don't know, the Southern Baptist Convention was founded by Baptists from the South who were against civil rights. They literally said, no, 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 we want to be able to keep our slaves. That's from Jesus. He wants us to have them too. And so they split from the Baptists of the North. It was literally founded to reinforce racism. Yes. And now they're trying to get away from that 100 years later. It's fine. And then and then many churches, many, many Southern Baptist churches, and not just Southern Baptists, but many churches in the South would not allow blacks to sit in their pews. Many. And yeah. it, uh, it was a big, big problem. So Blair Flair. Blair, recovering Southern Baptists. Lord, aren't so many of us. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, you know, uh, I'm kind of proud of us, though. I, I, we did not rehearse that little bit that we did. It was very good. I thought it was very good improv. Uh-huh. We could play the secretary of the... Uh, Real good. Well, all right. In news, um, a great accomplishment happened this uh, week ago. In 2015, Helen Thornton tried to claim survivor's benefits from Social Security based on her 27 relationship with Marge Brown, who died in 2006 six years before same-sex couples in the States had the right to marry. Now, the Social Security Administration turned her down because she and Brown had not been legally married, even though at the time state law prevented them from doing so. Well, last week, federal court judge James Robart ruled that denial of benefits violated the U.S. Constitution. He also certified the case as a national class action, meaning anyone who sought benefits and been denied them because they were unable to marry their partner will have an avenue to the claim. It's a really big deal. People that can demonstrate they were in long-term committed relationships with a same-sex partner should be able to join this class action to hopefully eventually get social security survivor benefits for each other. And that's really a lot for older people where one person worked more than the other, if the other handled the home, et cetera. So Helen said, Margie and I were fortunate to share 27 years of love and commitment together on this earth. And I'm gratified the judge understood that. 
Even though we were barred from marriage, our love and commitment was no different than that between heterosexual couples who had this freedom to marry. We gladly paid into the social security system through our jobs, and it's an enormous relief to know I'm entitled to the same financial protection. And that's the big deal, right? We all pay into social security. They paid into it for years and years and years, and this judge said she should have the avenue to get those benefits from her partner who is no longer with us. It's a really big deal. I mean, that affects a lot of older people from, you know, from with relationships before marriage equality. So it's a huge win, and I would think hugely impactful for a lot of seniors who were in same-sex relationships. Absolutely. Win, yes. A victory, excitement. We try not to only bring the negative news. That's right. And then, you know, there, there was uh, uh, Andrew Gillum had a, a really horrific, uh, some press, some bad press that, uh, that came out a few months ago. And on the season premiere of the Tamron Hall show, it featured an interview with the former Florida Democratic gubernatorial candidate and he said, I don't identify as gay, but I do identify as bisexual. And that is something that I have never shared publicly before. In his first interview since going uh, to rehab, and this is the incident I was referring to, he was found in a motel, a hotel in Miami with a male escort who appeared to have OD'd back in March. In a video he released in July, he said, I don't want to talk emotionally or really deeply about what had happened in the race for governor because it was a constant reminder of failure and my own personal failures, all the things I wanted to suppress and numb and forget about. That depression around what I was experiencing there became far too much for me to keep down. And that's the real crazy thing about depression. I, a lot of times we think we're dealing with it, we're strong and we'll put on a brave face and it bubbles up inside. But eventually what bubbles up on the inside is going to come out. His wife, uh, R.J. Gillum said in an interview, so many people just don't understand bisexuality. I just believe that love and sexuality exist on a spectrum. All I care about is what's between us and what agreement we make. Gillum also added, bisexuality in and itself doesn't lead to unfaithfulness. You can be attracted to both. You got a bigger terrain out there than you have to contend with, but you can still choose to be physically with one person. So I thought that was a really brave thing that he did uh, instead of just sweeping that all under the work rug and, you know, having people wonder. And and I, I love what he had to say about depression because it, it, that is that we've talked about that so much on this show. And we do, we try to say, you know, we've talked about how I go, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you're not always fine. And it's okay not to always be fine. Well, and I loved that they talked about it together. You know, for anybody who wondered, you know, she made very clear that she she did know about his bisexuality. That wasn't news uh, to her. And they've been together since college. Uh, so, and I thought it was important that he did not make any excuses. You know, he said bisexuality does not make you inherently likely to be non-monogamous with your partner, because that's a trope people use right. about bisexuals. And then you think about the combination of even though they knew, right, that he's trying to be a politician and they kept that part of their relationship and his history private and what that I'm sure contributed because that's still a kind of closet to live in. Uh, and that with the depression leading to, you know, the um, the substance abuse that led to him being in that hotel room that led to that uh, situation. So I would think that was a really hard interview to decide to give um and to talk about all of those issues at the same time um good on him good on her 
And uh, I, I, I read on social media, I mean, I, I read very positive things. Uh, you know, I was on Twitter when this all broke and uh, Bakari Sellers was supporting him. He said, my good friend, uh, good good for you for being brave and, and speaking your truth. And, you know, I, I, thought, I thought it was great that... Uh, I, I saw a lot of people being shitty. Well... I mean, you know, uh-huh. Yes, there were those two, but I, I, I was surprised at how many high-profile people actually were yes. lending some support. And I, I was well, glad. Well, because I certainly am in the camp of, you know, I, God, he was so close to being governor of Florida, and I hope that his rehab journey and all of that, you know, he's someone I'd still like to see in politics again. So I hope that, that, uh, that this is part of the journey. And also, let's be honest, though they're probably a little calculated. You need to deal... You do have to acknowledge all of that, even if you're going to wait a couple of years to run again, so that then later you can say, I've addressed all of that. Yes. So I hopefully this, this cleans the street. Um, you, can say, you can say, I um, am good with my wife and I'm good with my Lord. That's what you yes. can say in politics. Good with my girl and my Jesus, my girl and my God. Uh, John said, I agree. Gays have not been kind to bisexuals. Yeah. You know, no, and, certain, and it's also, I mean, I was talking about this with Blake the other night. I'm just, with all of this happening with my own anxiety journey, I'm just not finding mean-spirited humor that funny anymore. Sort of changed my own funny. And I watch people say things I might've said before, you know, people being like, well, it's just because, you know, well, you got hot with that dead hooker. And you know, it's like, I, it's just so gross. You know, I don't feel like we all know people who have made mistakes and certainly he made a really public one uh, that because of that situation was public. It's also crazy that was in March. It feels like to me that was ten years, six years ago, doesn't yeah. it? Like yeah. that, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic. Lord. That was just in March? Yes. Oh my God, you're so right. I can't, I can't I feel like that was so preceded pandemic. Time means nothing, it's a circle. Kelly said it, I mean, she's right. Hi Kelly, sad that it needs to be public. Yes, but if you, I think it's because I, I hope he still wants to be a public figure. Um, and so that, you know, let's talk about it. And then he'll probably go away for a while and show up again um, elsewhere. Hello, ex-wife. That's hey. My, that's my ex-wife. That's the mother of my children. It is. Um, all right. Well, in fun news, we told you a while back about the Lifetime Gay Christmas movie coming up. As a reminder, this is the movie that will tell the story of Hugo, a New York corporate lawyer who heads to Milwaukee to spend holidays with his mother, who's also in charge of the local Christmas celebrations. Ever the matchmaker, she arranges for Hugo to run into Patrick, Hugo's high school friend and secret crush who has recently returned after a successful stint in Silicon Valley. As they obviously enjoy the local holiday festivities together, Hugo and Patrick's attraction is once again rekindled, and it looks like Mom's well-intentioned matchmaking is a success. But Hugo receives word of a big promotion requiring a move to London, and he must decide what is most important to him. Spoiler alert, it will be Patrick. Well, they have just announced the casting for this movie, and first of all, Fran Drescher is playing the mother, and I just cannot wait to see that. Oh, I mean, I'm there. I am there for that. I am um, there for that. And in fun news, moves that I genuinely found exciting. They cast two openly gay actors who are also married in real life. Oh, Y'all, if it wasn't so sweet, I'd throw up in my mouth. They are uh, so adorable. Uh, ben are- Lewis. I don't know. I have not read the script, but I'm seeing a... 
a, a, a plane scene where there's an abandoning of the plane and a running scene back. Oh, no, that's too expensive. Nobody gets on a plane, but at best you make it to the front of the airport. Yeah, oh, so, so the, the car arrives, right? And he leaves the car and the cops say, no, you can't park here. I have to, and runs in. Uh -huh. Is that it? I can't see you because I'm reading the story. I can see you, you're this big. I know. Well, I was. I didn't get to finish, so I wasn't looking at you, so I couldn't see what happened. Usually, we save the thoughts for the end. Oh, well, I'm sorry. The names of these two actors. I'm kidding. <laughs> I just couldn't can't see you. Didn't ben Lewis was is a serious. What? Just, Hold on. Let me cut. What? Never mind. I said, didn't you just say how nice you're being lately? <laughs> Well, I'm trying, but I can't see you. I'm, I've got a story up and a graphic well, and I, you know. I finished the story. I'm sorry I interrupted. I thought you were done. Uh-huh. You started well, talking about Fran Drescher. I thought it was conversation time. You threw me off with that. Oh, the, no, see, it's what I try to do is read the story and have it sound conversational, not like I'm reading the dialogue that I wrote. These married homosexuals are Ben Lewis, who is a series regular on Arrow, and he was in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and his husband, Blake Lee, from Parks and Recreation and Mixology. So the Christmas setup with Fran Drescher will premiere in December. I loved it. I'm excited that they're both out actors. Yes, absolutely. And they are really adorable. I don't know. I've never known any of their work, but... I don't either. Even at, like through the, like, you know, that pink, that pink mafia phone tree i didn't know either of these guys and i really enjoyed finding out about them and i love that the press release will be about two gay married actors playing gay married characters and there's another one also that hallmark is doing so again progress with the christmas movies yeah. uh, all right in uh minot north dakota and that's the way you say it i went online emerson and i looked it up it's minot north dakota yeah. Councilwoman Carrie Evans raised a pride fat flag this month. Of course, this brought the bigots out uh, to mm -hmm. a council meeting to complain. I love uh, this woman's monologue so much. So as Carrie, uh, as Mr. Walker argued about uh, how horrible this flag was, Carrie Evans dropped a bombshell and the mic in a fantastic speech. And here is her speech, Mr. Walker. If you're not aware, and I think a lot of people in this room are not aware, and have come here just because this is a gay issue, I am proudly the first openly elected lesbian in North Dakota. So that is why I am not paying any heed to your crap. We the people, I'm the people. I live in my not, I am a taxpayer, I am a person, I get to see myself represented on the flagpole just as much as the people who got the Juneteenth flag last month, as much as the POW MIAs will get later this month. Every single person is entitled to see themselves represented. We are not some group of people who live in San Francisco or Seattle, we are here. We are your elected officials. We are your brothers. We are your sisters. And don't tell me you're not hatred and anger. That's all I feel. I've had to listen to it for days now, as has the mayor and many of my colleagues. It is un.
acceptable. This city is big enough for all of us. Me having a flag flying does not take away anything from your rights and freedoms. But you know what it does for me? It shows me I live in a city that appreciates and embraces me and the people of my community and that I can live here and feel safe. That's what it does. I'm sorry that it doesn't make you feel comfortable, but we're here, we're queer, and we're not going away. His sad response was, thank you. Thank you for exposing yourself and your anger. I loved it so much. I mean, it was like, you couldn't have written it. No. And it was just her speaking from her heart, like the truth of all of that. And it's so like, just concise and like fed up, but in like the sweetest, like North Dakota way, like, don't you know? Um, I just, just so impressive. And I love that. We are not New York or San Francisco. We are your neighbors and your teachers and your, oh, I loved it. She and made and my heart happy. You're not hatred and you're not anger. That's all I feel. Uh, Del, you're showing a lot of cleavage. A lot of cleavage there. Del's got tits out. That is not that much cleavage. You won't cleave. It just looks that way because when it sits right at the bottom of the camera, it's like, how low does it go? Does it go J-Lo low? I guess I could go one more button there. I mean, you why not? Live it up. Uh, all right, we reached the halfway point of our show. Our regulars know, to those of you that are new, welcome. We do this to entertain you, but we do spend a good bit of time getting it ready, even when it doesn't seem like it. Uh, so if you have contributed to every cause and candidate you can think of, and you're still sitting on a pile of money, first of all, good for you. Way to save. And if you want to throw a couple of dollars our way, you can send us a tip on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal. Uh, to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. It is in the email, uh, in the banner below. Not required, not expected, but we are sure grateful. Michael Shane already donated today. We appreciate you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. And, um, wait, wait. you know, I, I really feel that monologue deserved a couple of bucks. I just feel like the performance. It was an excellent performance. Thank you. Thank you. John said, don't pull a Chris Evans, Dale. Yeah, don't pull out the tallywhacker on the Facebook live. If I did, I would not apologize. I would just say, come on. I'm Florida so wouldn't either. You know, the best thing about that, honestly, is that Chris Evans not getting crap for it and he'll get a bunch of things. Like the more that it's normalized that people in a modern digital age and are engaged in sexual communication, the less of a big deal it is the next time it happens to some random unknown person applying for a job. So normalized nudity who cares y'all yeah nudity is like it's fine it's fine I, my biggest uh issue uh being a dad i just don't want my children i just don't want them leaked i don't want them on the you know right but, but i had that picture that portrait made of me recently that i i love and uh it's if you want to see it it's on my instagram and i told my daughters it's going to be there avoid it if you don't want to see it so, yeah but there's exactly. a different painting of you and a picture of you. There really well, yes. is. As you know, as we wrote in a script recently, the difference between art and porn is erections. That's true. That's true. Um, um, all right. Well, we uh, I've told you, you know, in my own journey of trying to figure out what to do that's productive on these elections, that is not just screaming at people whose minds you aren't going to change on social media. I'm choosing each week to focus on a particular uh senator and an LGBT candidate and races that are important. So this week, we turn our attention to Kansas. And I'm going to tell you about 
That's right. Uh, Barbara Bollier is the Democrat running in Kansas uh, for Senate. Now, in this election, uh, they are both new, her and the Republican. Neither of them is an incumbent. They are running to replace an incumbent. And no Democrat has been elected in Kansas since 1932. But uh, Barbara Bollier has a very interesting opportunity. She is a doctorate a doctor. She is a moderate who was actually a Republican until 2018. She got so fed up with the governor and the Republicans and their handling of some tax issues in Kansas that she switched. Uh, welcome. She was elected to the Kansas House in 2010. She has been a vocal advocate for LGBTQ issues in Kansas politics. Um, and she has a big focus on education and expanding healthcare access. And she has repeatedly stood up to the Republican governor and her former party. So Kansas is weirdly, surprisingly, a swing reach state opportunity for us. So if you're looking for somebody to volunteer for or donate for, head to www.bollierforkansas.com. And I am donating to her this week. Uh, John says, I've been a supporting uh, Barbara Bollier. So she's a good option. John, you were just commenting like crazy. I have to tell you, so I want to thank you, Emerson. You inspired me to do something. Uh, as you know, I've, I've campaigned uh, for uh, Veronica Escobar uh, from Texas, Congresswoman from Texas, who's up for re-election. I met her at an event last year, just fell in love with her. And she sent me, a, a or, or her, her, her team sent me something today where I can phone bank with... Uh, or Veronica and Adam Schiff all at the same time. And so I am actually going to do that. And you inspired me to- That's amazing. And and y'all, you don't have to pick our people, but you know, I'm focused. Look, if you're not voting for Biden at this point, I don't know how to communicate to you why that matters, but we have to flip the Senate. So that's why we're focusing on those races that are likely and reach races. Um, yeah. All right. And up next in Kansas. Yeah, in Kansas, we've got Stephanie Byers, who's running for the state house. And if she wins, she would be the first out trans person in the Kansas state legislature. After winning the Glisten National Educator of the Year Award in 2019, she was asked to speak at the ACLU rally outside the U.S. Supreme Court while the court considered three cases that led to the Bostock decision on, employ on, uh, on employment discrimination for LGBTQ people. There at the Capitol, she decided to run, right there. She said to LGBTQ Nation, for me being trans is not much different from the fact that I have brown eyes or that I'm of Native American descent or that I ride a motorcycle sometimes. It's just one part of the diversity and richness that makes me who I am. But I also realized too, that for a lot of people, being trans sometimes is one of those things that holds them back. And the way we get people to accept is by people seeing success. If I can get elected, that's one more barrier we take down that helps open the doorway, at least by example. Byers is a retired teacher who spent 29 years teaching music in Wichita public schools. She is passionate about the need to expand Medicaid in Kansas, hopes to fight what she says is a tremendously high tax on food. And in a time when life is becoming increasingly virtual, Byers said many areas of Kansas are in desperate need of better broadband access. So there you go, another um, another uh, great candidate who who speaks from her heart and and was you know it's like 
back in the day, Emerson, you you know, your dad was a minister, mine was a minister, and he's like, yeah, I always heard, I was called, I was called, and I feel like that's what happened to her. She was called right there on the steps of the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, and think about that, you know, it's like that was the court case that eventually became the Bostock decision that we've talked about this year is being used, you know, to help so many other issues since that decision came out. All these things are tied together. And so I see in the comments, it's great. People are working for lots of candidates and everybody should use the ones that they uh, should focus on the ones you want. We're just taking a couple to focus on because uh, so, I, y'all, I, can, I can't handle learning and understanding 300, you know, whatever races. So just a few spotlights. Uh, to give us some focus. Yes. Um, all right. Well, in bigot news, because of course, and I thought you'd enjoy uh, the results of this. Oh, I should get rid of our little thing. Uh, Pastor Rick Pinkowski runs the group Warriors for Christ, which has been known to do things like protest drag queen story hour and post anti-LGBTQ anti videos to social media. Well, his teenage daughter attends Livingston Academy, a public school in Tennessee. In August, she wore this black t-shirt, just a casual ensemble that she thought, you know, I just want to wear a thing to school that says homosexuality is a sin and cited the Bible verse 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Now he says she was sent to the principal's office who sent her home because her shirt had a sexual connotation. He said, not fair that she's told that she can't wear that shirt and other people can wear that stuff that they wear. She was basically censored. He said the principal's alleged reasoning was wrong because there's a teacher at the school with a rainbow sticker that says diverse, inclusive, accepting, welcoming, safe space for everyone, which he sees as a sexual message that the school permits. Yeah, I heard that at the end, right? Diversive, diverse, inclusive, accepting, welcoming space for everyone who's into fisting. I think they forgot to include that last part that makes it sexual. So they've got kids walking around with a pride symbol on their sneakers and pride clothing and nobody bats an eye. But if a Christian comes up there and repeats what the Bible says, they are seen as intolerant. They are seen as hateful. Yes, they are. That's correct. That's exactly right. Correct. He told the Christian Post it's a First Amendment issue and he's contemplating legal action. He oh, said good. his daughter just wanted to do this on her own. Just her own idea. I mean, bless. It was all that she had. It was just all her idea. It wasn't any of that bigotry that she raised him with. Uh-uh, just none of that. Just her own creativity that she wanted to just go to school and be hateful. How awkward for that kid and this argument, right? Well, they wear pride rainbows and she wanted to wear her hate t-shirt. T-shirt. So, well... Bless her heart. Bless her heart. I was you know, that is one of those situations, though, where I think about all these kids, right, that become like young teenagers. I was similar to this, you know, where they say things, love the sin or hate the sin. I mean, she really was just brainwashed at home, but now she's saying these things and it can be seen on social media. And she was the one that's got Stockholm Syndrome. I'd like to talk to her in 10 years. I'd you like know? to talk to her in five. Yeah. Well, because, because it's interesting how... Um, how people do evolve. They get away from that. Yes. Then they start uh, thinking for themselves many times. It's like, that, it's like that TikToker we talked about a while back. You know, he'll regret that in a couple of years once he finally has some LGBTQ friends and realizes, oh, that sounded good, but I was just taught to say hateful things. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the million dollar moms are, uh, they're, they're, 
oh shoot, I meant to buy some dull pineapple at the store today because of this story and I forgot, I'll do it next time. Well, they're mad. They are sitting mad at Dole. This time it's a new set of ads from Dole that use the word fruit bowl in different situations. A lesbian couple uses it to refer to their children. Uh, another set of parents use it in place of curse words, like what in the fruit bowl? And a third ad, a set of grandparents use it as a code for sexual relations they can't have when the kids are around. Barely 100,000 moms. That's that's how many, it's 103,000 that are now on Facebook. They're, they're still short. Uh, they, they, they overestimated, <laughs> overreached on that number. They said, uh -huh. they said, here's their statement. These ads are offensive. And the fact that children actually appear in the commercial is also disturbing. All three of Dole's fruit bowl ads are irresponsible and tasteless. Well, unless you taste the fruit. Uh, the group also has a petition for members to sign that says they will refuse to buy Dole products until the ad campaign is withdrawn. The petition says, I'm highly offended by Dole's fruit bowl commercials. It is an irresponsible marketing campaign to insinuate profanity, use code words for sex in front of children, and degrade the value of children in an advertisement. Foul language, a liberal agenda, the sexual innuendos are not necessary to sell your products. And today I went to their Facebook page and I said, I see you're still 896,589 away from that recruited bigotry following goal that you have. Oh, they make me laugh so hard also because these commercials, this is such a funny idea. It makes me want a fruit bowl, even though it's basically like mostly sugar with some sour fruit like in the middle. Um, but wait, here, y'all can see one of these commercials. Uh, this is the one with the lesbians, this terrible danger to our children. We need a way to talk about our kids without them knowing. We call them fruit bowls. Was it your idea to have fruit bowls or mine? Oh, just ruining the children, I tell you what. I'm surprised that they didn't go after the parenting of lesbians with that advertisement. <laughs> Those kids were just awful. Oh, Larry Scott, good for you, Larry. Larry's man, he, he said he trolled them once too often. I wonder what, I wonder, I'm going to have to go check on my comment to see if there was any response. They have, it's so funny. They have like 103 followers, 103,000 followers. They put something up and no one comments. No one says a word. That's what happens when you buy those followers. Oh, well, they didn't buy enough. They didn't they do didn't, that. Well, no, yeah, well, no, it's like, I know, well, 900,000, that would kind of feel like that's more money than their annual budget. As They're somebody said, I feel like, the way. and Every Larry said, it's just one mom who writes all their stuff. You know, she can't afford to buy 900,000 followers. And, and and they, they are, um, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know, I went up on my thoughts. 900. Well, that's all right. It'll come back to you. You know, you know, it does. All right. This next story, this has been going on uh, for several years. Uh, if you follow the Olympics or uh, elite track and field, you know, I only care about this stuff around Olympics time. But this story has been really heartbreaking to watch. Castro Semenya is a 29 year old Af South African woman. She's an Olympic gold medalist, two different Olympics, 2012 and 2016. 
She recently lost an appeal against a rule that would force her to take medication to artificially lower her natural testosterone levels in order to compete at next year's Olympics. She said, I'm very disappointed. I refuse to let world athletics drug me or stop me from being who I am. She's been involved in illegal fights to participate in women's sports for years. Now, for the background, she is a cisgender woman, right? She was assigned female at birth. She identifies as a woman. She does have an intersex condition that means she has high levels of testosterone in her body. Still a woman, assigned a woman at birth. World Athletics, which regulates international track and field, introduced a new rule seemed to specifically target her as an individual, not even other people like just her, because they issued a rule in last year that required participants in women's 400, 800, and 1500 races to have a low level of testosterone in their bodies and to undergo six months of hormone therapy to change it if their natural testosterone levels are high. Those are the only races she runs. So her lawyers argued that her intersex condition is just one of many genetic variances that athletes can have and women with other genetic gifts aren't forced into medical treatments to remove them in order to compete. So she won't be able to defend her Olympic titles next, next year because she's not willing to go under, undergo unnecessary medical treatment uh, to change who she is and how she was born. She said, excluding female athletes puts world athletics on the wrong side of history. I will continue to fight for the human rights of female athletes, both on the track and off the track, until we can all run free the way we were born. I know what's right and will do all I can to protect basic human rights for young girls everywhere. I hope that makes sense, right? You know, when you get to elite level athletics, there's all sorts of reasons that people are the best in the world. They've talked about Michael Phelps' wingspan. They've talked about other runners like oxygenation level in their blood. There's lots of things about the variance of us as human beings that make some people more inclined to be gifted at certain things than others. And they are saying, that hers are too much, so she needs to medically change it to put her on an even playing field. This is just a woman running as a woman, and there are people who don't like it. And they don't do it to other people. There's another woman runner that's sort of right behind her that they haven't made as big a deal out of, and that part makes it seem a little bit racist, too. Wow, I hope that lawsuit. That just seems so absolutely wrong to me. You know, um, and what a weird, like, invalidating, like, of, like, you're the wrong kind of woman. Is yeah, basically what they're saying. I mean, they would even feel like the, the, the you know, I guess they they test them. I mean, wonder when they started that. I'm sure that in the beginning of the Olympics. Well, they it's, they've tested lots of because they test things that are related to drug abuse, and a wow. lot of those results can be in those same things. But sure. still, like this sure. is a woman running as a woman, and they're saying, well, this part of you is not woman enough. Uh, this isn't. This is totally separate from like trans people competing in sports, even. But it's being weirdly treated along the same way. And this is just about a woman running as a woman who was always in our culture, in our medical everything, uh, assigned a woman. So she, heartbreaking she, she, for this elite athlete. You ain't woman enough to take that goal. That's what they're basically saying to her. You know. Yeah. That's that's awful. That's awful. Well, here's a more in more sports news. Last month, former uh, pro wrestler Marty. Janetti put up on a Facebook post where he claimed that while working at a bowling alley at age 13, he uh, bought weed from a gay guy who dragged him behind the building and he said, you already know what he was going to try to do. That was the very first time I made a man disappear. They never found him. They should have looked in the Chattahoochee River. Um, he deleted the post, but did an interview where he said the experience of dragging him 
to the river and throwing him in and finding out the news the guy's missing had an impact on it. It hurt me and it made my mind, I made up my mind that day, no one will ever hurt me again. The Columbus Police Department began investigating this as a serious claim. Now Janetti is saying he made the whole thing up. In a new Facebook post, he said, I was just the beginning of a damn wrestling, it was just the beginning of a damn wrestling storyline, but oh my God, OMG, didn't the world buy it? He added that looking back, he should have done a few things differently. In the comment, he says, there is some truth in the original story. That's how you add on and it seems all true. I was 13 buying weed from a gay man. And by the way, I loves all my gay people. I just, it just don't float my boat on that side of the river. Loves you, loves y'all though. In his car in front of the bowling alley where we both work at and because a couple of other my teen friends went for the hustle, he paid them $40 to BJ them. He might have assumed I would too. So in other words, the bag of weed for free, he suddenly reached over and touched me down there. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, let's get back to work. We go out, went back to work and remain friends. He never touched my dick and balls again. So we're all good. You know, I mean, I, I, I've been known to embellish a story or two, Emerson. I mean, you know, it's the, I've never added murder to my stories. Not once. I have so many questions. Okay. So first of all, if the idea is that this was a backstory for a new wrestling character. So the backstory was you murdered a sexual assaulter. I'm not sure how that fits into like spandex and the mat. Like what's the back? What? Who is this character? Who is this character going to be? Who? I want to know. I want to know what what this was laying the ground. If this was the preamble, who was this new character? And also, if the guy really did offer you forty dollars to blow you in the car while you were getting drugs behind a bowling alley when you were thirteen, like he was still a sexual predator. Yes. So, did that part of the story really happy, or is it further away where, like, you have a friend who said, "Oh, this gay guy offered me forty bucks to blow"? Like, it's still bonkers. Well, all you have to do is read the way he posted there. He's not the brightest bulb on the chandelier. I mean, well, he's definitely been hitting the head a few too many times. John said, "How come the wrestler can only find weed from a gay man?" Well, I just am assuming this homosexual was spraying the shoes at the bowling alley back in the day or something. And maybe it was, you know, he's also the weed dealer to the rough adolescents, like the beginning of the outsiders or something. Oh my God, stop. Ken Hartsville said, $40, I only got 10. Honey, I do it for free. <laughs> yes. At 13, oh, though, that's a, uh, but. Uh, See, well, I guess in the life of getting paid, right? You start off getting paid then you stop getting paid, then you eventually pay for it. That's the journey of like peanut. I'm making the transition. I feel, when y'all come and watch my show, The Shit Stir, I do have a confession to make. Oh, I can't wait. Y'all get your tickets. Dalshores.com. Eric said, Captain Homophobia. Yeah, that maybe that's the character we were headed for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, in nonsense news, Y'all, I've gotten so tired, I can't even watch the dumb videos about anti-maskers anymore. But there was, there was one played yesterday that I saw that went uh, further afield and further off the deep end than anything I had seen. It was making the round out of ABC, a local ABC affiliate, I believe, out of St. George, Utah, where a thousand people had gathered to speak out against children being required to wear face masks at school. 
Now there's the usual protest, calling coronavirus a hoax, saying asymptomatic carriers don't exist and calling the mask mandates illegal and unconstitutional, infringing on my rights. One man said, if we wanna wear a mask, that's fine, but we can take care of ourselves. We don't need the government telling us what we can and can't do. Then a white lady, and it's important to note that she's white, appears on camera and says the most uh, bonkers thing I've seen someone say yet. She proceeded to say the following. George Floyd was saying, I can't breathe, and then he died. Now we're wearing a mask and saying, I can't breathe, but we're being forced to wear it anyway. Del Shores? I don't even know know how to begin to engage with the degree to which that is racist. We're not worthy of engaging. She's stupid. She's but I so just mean that's just the stupidest comment ever. Like that's a thing. Like she thought, oh, th th those two phrases. I can I can make that black man's death under the knee of a police officer about myself. Um, I can't breathe with my mask on. Like, first of all, yes, you can. Doctors wear them all day long. We've said it. I, I won't keep saying it. But I wait. But I want to show you. Oh, wait. I've got to find this other woman because you need to see her uh, as I as I share with you. Uh, and then the final picture is uh, we meet Betty Jake. Now, Betty Jake is this elderly woman that you see on your screen right now in her straw hat and a very bold red lip for the daytime, I must say. She says, I'll tell you another reason why I hate masks. Most child molesters love them. Okay. Okay, Betty. Betty, Betty just, Jake. Now appearing in uh, the local production of Steel Magnolias as Weezer. Uh, yes. I mean, here and here, like like she says in Steel Magnolias, here hit Weezer. <laughs> that was really good. That was very good. Look at us for the setup. <laughs> now, just to be clear, y'all, these like bonkers, bigot, racist people who the very first time their rights have been infringed is being told to wear a mask for their safety of their community. They are not the only ones. The white homosexuals, y'all, our people are still out doing ridiculous things. Atlanta had a big peach party last weekend. Some Ting Wong, one of my favorite uh, drag queens from Drag Race UK. I just want you to look at this video of these white homosexuals having a toga party. Now, y'all are not social distanced. Y'all don't have on masks. That one's grabbing his crotch. Oh, I mean, y'all, we, we can't be doing this. It is not okay. Well, if you're white homosexual friends, and look, there are lots of ways that, like, you don't know what's happening, people. You see a handful of people together, you don't know what their protocols are, what they're doing. But let's be honest, if you see 30 homosexuals in togas, which is the most tired gay party theme you could possibly have. Like frat boys in college do that. They wrap the twin bed sheet from their dorm room around themselves and stumble around drinking trash can punch. Do better, homosexuals. Do, do better. better. And here's what, and we have to, yeah, thank you, Emerson, for calling them out because, you know, here we are calling out Trump with his ridiculous uh, rallies that are inside that people are just going crazy to go to, these idiots, and, and no mask, no mask, because it's all all a hoax yeah well as jennifer said that's like folks out here comparing black oppression to the holocaust no sense who's serving the stupid juice they sure are out here guzzling it it's like there is no need to compare oppressions all of the marginalized groups of people's experiences are different like 
There is no need to say it's like. Just say what it is. They're all terrible. Jennifer, I always I love that serving the stupid juice so much. I can't stand it. It's the same Everclear trash can punch the white gays are drinking, thinking they can have their parties together. My people. And it's our responsibility to hold our own people accountable. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And All thank right. you for doing that. Okay. Um, one more fun. Speaking of one of our own, meet Democratic candidate for Texas House, Ann Johnson, out lesbian running in an increasingly liberal community that has become a district to watch that could help Flip the house in Texas. It could make us make the house blue. She told LGBTQ Nation, I'm fired up today. I'm really excited about this campaign. This district is looking at somebody who will not only fight for their interests, but get things done across the aisle. I am a native Houstonian. I grew up in Texas. And when I was growing up, the strength of Texas meant we made decisions that were good for our people, not our politics. She is a cancer survivor who has been repeatedly denied health coverage for pre-existing conditions. Before she entered politics, Johnson was a human trafficking prosecutor credited with helping create a legal framework across the country for protecting child victims of sexual exploitation. If she wins, she says, my wife and I will show up together to the session and the inauguration, and we will be another example of a committed relationship and the meaning of definition of marriage today for the rest of Texas legislature to see. You can donate by going to annjohnson.com. I'm in love with her. Yes. So those are our spotlights. And yes, go throw a few dollars. Y'all, I don't have a lot of money, but I'm giving a little bit, and our little bits add up to a lot particularly at these smaller races, you know, at the smaller level, every dollar, they have a place, they are ready to use it if you can share it with them. And finally, just a real quick thing. I saw this video and it was just absolutely adorable. This older woman coming out and it's gone viral. Now I'm going to try to share, y'all let us know immediately if you can hear her, because if not, I'll explain uh, what she was saying. Uh, Meet our lady. Exactly what you just said. I said, if I ever got involved with anybody again, it wouldn't be a man, it would be a woman. <laughs> I do like women. I like women much more than men. But attractive. Do you like prefer women's bodies? I think so. Yeah. Um, well, I think boobs are nice. <laughs> I think you've been repressing it your whole do life because so? society. Yeah. Back in the day. I think the penis is not like <laughs> requirements probably about late 60s <laughs> hmm. yeah. late 60s yeah. I like the younger women oh uh, well she's a whole cougar coming out on tiktok it just oh, seemed like a person what i don't know how old she is she was oh, looking for a uh, late 60s oh my uh, god She's fantastic. So not she doesn't like the penises. That's right, but she thinks boobs are nice. All right, y'all, we're getting to the end. Thought it ended on a light note. Uh, if you have uh, sent us a tip, thank you to Erica Kopich. Uh, and if you want to, as we're wrapping up the show, it's in the banner again on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal. You can email us a tip to beardcollinshoresproductions at gmail.com. Uh, 
I've had a good time with you today, Emerson Collins. Um, Me too. And after this, at six o'clock our time, uh, Blake and I are taking our text training Zoom uh, so we can start doing texts for the Biden campaign as a I part of I our volunteer commitment. Oh, I hope I get one that says, hi, this is Emerson for the I Biden know. campaign. That would be so exciting. So if y'all do get one, don't do what I do, which is text back and say, please take me off your text list. I've already contributed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, well, thank you all for watching us today and for participating. It's always a pleasure.